Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at UndercoverGreg. At G underscore Frank6 for the rest of my sports takes and a little other shenanigans, whatever I decide to toss out there that's on my mind. Always keeping it lighthearted. At least that's how I like to view Twitter and have some fun and engage with everybody over life's less serious topics like sports. And we have one of the most enjoyable weekends of the sports year for me. And it is Final Four Saturday on Saturday night at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. I will be there. It will be my third Final Four. I cannot wait to... Take in the action. I know a lot of people are Debbie Downers on this Final Four because we do have three first-time participants with Miami, FAU, and San Diego State all getting to Final Four Saturday for the first time in school history. But you know what? We just had four Blue Bloods in the Final Four last year, and I went last year, actually, in New Orleans. Uh, I mentioned this is my third one. The first one I went to was in 2019 in Minneapolis between Virginia, Auburn, Michigan State, and Texas Tech. And... One of the things that I just appreciate about college basketball is that it's a little bit of everything. And what I mean by that is last year you can have four Blue Bloods, and this year you can have three new Final Four participants. And if you look over the course of the years, you'll find some kind of teams that crash the party, and you'll find some others that have been there, done that. And maybe a little bit of in-between, right? A a team that 
gets to the Final Four, say, once every 10 years, once every five years, whatever it might be. So, I think it's important to note that football is really the only sport with the Super Bowl where we don't go into a championship round, the Super Bowl, that is, and just assume, well, this Super Bowl is going to suck, right? Because it's the last game of the year. Football is by far the most popular sport in this country. Everybody wants to allow themselves to think that every Super Bowl each year is going to be a good game. But we've had some shitty Super Bowls in the past. And it, I do find it interesting that, you know, sometimes we go into certain NBA Finals matchups or Stanley Cup Final matchups or World Series matchups and just say, ah, oh, this will be kind of a bore. It's funny, I mentioned that 2019 Final Four with Michigan State, Texas Tech, Auburn, and Virginia. The title ends up being Virginia beating Texas Tech in overtime. And I remember going into that game, the vibe was, oh, this is going to be so boring. None of these teams, neither one of these teams can score. Ended up being a pretty good national championship game. I'm not saying it was one for the ages. I'm not saying that Final Four is necessarily one that the masses will remember as one of the best. But it ended up being okay. So I wanted to address that first and foremost. Is Let's not pour a bucket of cold water on this Final Four before it even happens. It's not to say it won't suck. I mean, you know, going back to a Final Four in Houston over a decade ago, which ironically enough was won by the Connecticut Huskies, in 2011, UConn and Butler was one of the worst national championships I've ever seen, right there with 2017 Gonzaga, North Carolina. So it could be as bad as people think it is, but it's the predetermined notion that we already know it's going to suck, which kind of gets to me. Without further ado, let's get to these two games and start with Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. And we're seeing Florida Atlantic in a very similar role as the Owls are a short underdog catching two and a half, a total of 132. And it looked like there were some threes out there before the market widely settled on two in the hook. But... What's really interesting about this game is that it is, for the most part, a vast contrast of styles. We've seen San Diego State run through the South region with a lot of defense and a lot of grit, right? Loose balls, rebounding, slowing the game down. Nathan Mensah, the big kid for San Diego State's a two-time Mountain West Conference Player of the Year. Matt Bradley, one of their guards, is very comfortable kind of operating out of the half court. And you've looked at their games that they've won. They, they win in the 50s and 60s. And I think that's part of the reason why, again, this preconceived expectation is that this might not be that much fun. Not only because San Diego State and Florida Atlantic aren't are by no means you know, blue blood programs, even though San Diego State has been one of the best mid-majors in the country ever since the Steve Fisher and Brian Dutcher coaching staff got there. But having said that, I think that San Diego State just does what it needs to do to win, and usually with its personnel being mostly defensive-oriented, they want to slow the game down, make fewer possessions, and keep the game in the 50s and 60s. And obviously it's gotten them here. San Diego State fourth in adjusted defensive efficiency on Kempom. 
And by the way, these two schools, respectively on Ken Palm, the 14th and 17th ranked programs coming into the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, these are two good schools that have had good seasons. And I mentioned the contrast of styles. Florida Atlantic, 24th in the country in offensive efficiency. And not that they're world beaters in adjusted tempo. They're 155th. But that obviously is much faster than the 266th adjusted tempo that San Diego State comes in at on Kempom. So I'm going to be on Florida Atlantic here. I'm just going to money line them at plus $1.25 because I feel that Florida Atlantic is a little more versatile. And what I mean by that is like this time of year, and I'll, I'll certainly get to this more with Connecticut and Miami, although that's more of a, not necessarily motivational, but that's more of an intangible based handicap there. With San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, I feel that Florida Atlantic can win in many different game scripts. And I brought this up last week when I can't remember. I think it was the regional final. I was talking. Yeah, it was. Right before the Elite Eight, I was talking about how I thought Florida Atlantic was due for some positive regression from the three-point line. And the Owls did shoot pretty well in that game at the Garden against Kansas State last Saturday night. But part of the reason I said that was because Florida Atlantic, the first three games of the NCAA tournament against Memphis, Fairleigh Dickinson, and Tennessee, hadn't shot the ball as well as it did in the regular season. So there was an element for me of FAU kind of getting back to what works and being able to play a faster game and shoot the ball a little bit better. And that's what turned out to be true. Florida Atlantic in the top 30, I mentioned 24th in adjusted offensive efficiency, 30th in adjusted defensive efficiency. So in the top 30 in both metrics, and again, this is a program that just won a bunch of games in the whole season. Like this is not a Cinderella. They're 35 and three. Probably should have been more like a uh, five seed than a nine seed. Excuse me. Hiccups are brutal. But this feels a lot like Brad Stevens and Butler than it does Shaka Smart and VCU or we'll get to Laranego when he was at George Mason. You know, those were true Cinderella's. Loyola Chicago as an 11 seed getting all the way to the Final Four. This is a good good team and so is San Diego State for that matter but my thinking here is and I still don't think Florida Atlantic is being respected enough in the betting market I think there's value if you wanted to take the two on the hook because I think the numbers should be closer to pick on a neutral court with these two schools and we saw Florida Atlantic priced the same in the regional final against Kansas State. So you're you're telling me that San Diego State is just as good as Kansas State? I I don't buy it. And again, the play in the mud, grind it out, wear you down style that San Diego State plays worked out for 
the Aztecs against Alabama and Creighton last weekend. But I haven't seen enough of them adjusting, and they haven't had to. But I think they might be forced a little bit out of their element to play a little bit more of a high-scoring game. So obviously, if you're leaning over or under, if you like the total, I would lean over 132. I just have a stronger play on the side. I think that Elijah Martin and John L. Davis are going to be the best players on the court, and Florida Atlantic continues. I mean, obviously, if the Owls win, they'll be an underdog in the national championship game. But again, it's the versatility with which they've played in the NCAA tournament where they pulled out a close one against Memphis and they got tested a couple of different times against Fairleigh Dickinson where the whole building there in Columbus the first weekend was behind the Knights and Florida Atlantic got it done. And then against Tennessee, I mean, that first half was played exactly on Tennessee's terms. It was, I think, 27-22 Tennessee. And Tennessee is kind of San Diego State on steroids, right? Where they buttered their bread this year, did the Vols on the defensive end of the floor, and that's what got them to the second weekend. And, and we saw Tennessee bulldoze right through Duke in the round of 32. So Florida Atlantic from that Tennessee game should already be a little bit prepared for what San Diego State might throw at them. And I just don't think that San Diego State has been forced out of its element to win a game yet in the NCAA tournament, which is what I think would happen here. Hence why I like Florida Atlantic. I will bet the Owls on the money line to get to the national championship game. Let's go to the second game between the Miami Hurricanes and the Connecticut Huskies, which really has all the makings of an excellent basketball game. I mean, if you think about it, I think everybody, most people would acknowledge that the first game or excuse me, the best game of the first weekend was Furman against Virginia. And I think everybody would acknowledge the best game of the second weekend was UCLA against Gonzaga. Well, some might say Michigan State and Kansas State, and I'm not going to argue that, but one of those two. I think this game has a chance to be just as good as those previous three I mentioned, maybe the best of the tournament. Because it's really interesting to me here where Connecticut obviously comes in the best team. The you got to lay juice right now to back Connecticut to win the national championship. But before I get to Miami, ask yourself this. When is one team above the tournament? And what I mean by that is when you see these teams that just look like complete wagons and they're running through everyone. It's easy to forget that this is not the NBA playoffs. And so while the Warriors with Kevin Durant can just whitewash opponents in best of seven series, UConn might look to be the college equivalent of that kind of team right now where nobody can touch them. But those Warriors teams never went the entire playoffs without losing a game, and that's the difference. It's a single elimination, one-and-done playoff format. And that in and of itself gives every team a chance when they step on the court. And that's why I say no team's really above the tournament because all it takes is for the favorite to get a little tight, perhaps in a 
close game down the stretch, or maybe to just not have it, right? Jordan Hawkins not practicing Friday with a non-COVID-related illness. Where's he going to be at come Saturday night's tip-off? And, okay, maybe the outside shots aren't dropping as much for Connecticut. And maybe Adama Sonogo won't be able to have his way inside against Norchad O'Meara the way he did in the first weekend of the tournament against Iona and against St. Mary's. I was surprised by how dominant they were against Gonzaga. I will admit that. I thought that Drew Timmy would be able to nullify Sonogo enough. And, you know, obviously that game was more about the shooting for Connecticut. But, you know, and and also it was only a seven-point game at half. So Connecticut obviously boat raced the Bulldogs in the second half of that game. But that to me was the most impressive of the four wins for the Huskies. Now, having said that, again, I'm not there with just riding the Yukon wave all the way to the national championship. Because it almost feels like the perfect time to sell your Connecticut stock. Where, again, everybody's on board. Who can beat them? They look great. And again, when do teams just run through the entire tournament? Maybe Baylor, two years ago, in the bubble, in Indy. But gosh, I mean, if John Calipari's undefeated 2015 Kentucky team eventually loses a game like it did in the national semifinal round against Wisconsin. A good Wisconsin team, I might add. Sooner or later, I just think these dominant wagons meet their match. And so, obviously, I don't feel that UConn has done anything wrong. I, I, I'm not necessarily saying that this is an you know an advantageous matchup for Miami. So much as I'm saying, this is the NCAA tournament. Like the minute you think one team has it, they don't. And yeah, no team is above the tournament. Now, as far as Miami, I mentioned Norchad O'Meara, and certainly he should be able to bang down low with Adama Sonogo pretty well. And he's really a a grinder on the glass, right? He'll certainly be able to. Uh, you would think, limit second-chance opportunities for Connecticut. But they just have so many guys that want the moment. So you watch those kids play and look at particularly their guards. They have guards that can go out and compete with the backcourt for Connecticut. Guards that can go out and they want the moment. They don't run from it. Isaiah Wong, ACC Player of the Year. Nigel Pack made like seven threes against Houston in the Sweet 16. Jordan Miller has a perfect game. I think he was 7-for-7 seven seven from the field and made like ten, all 10 of his free throws or whatever it was against Texas. So they have the depth. They have the players to be able to match up with the top-end talent for Connecticut. And I also mentioned being able to win different ways. I talked about that stylistically with FAU. How the Owls kind of won some lower scoring games where they weren't shooting as well earlier in the tournament and then the shots started dropping in the Elite Eight. 
Well, how about Miami as a very short one-and-a-half-point favorite in the round of 64, the first round of the tournament against Drake, down eight with like five minutes left in that game. And the Hurricanes kind of stay cool, calm, and collected and find a way to, to rally in the final five minutes and win. Then you look at the middle two wins of the four for the Canes. Underdog against Indiana. They won that game going away. It wasn't even close. Bigger underdog of seven points against Houston. Won the game going away. wasn't even close. So, there's also something to being a, an underdog and particularly with the margin that you saw in the games against Houston and against Indiana, where if you can win by doubled figures like that, that's an indicator that, because the talent mismatch isn't that wide, right? But that's an indicator that your coaching game planning is a lot better than the other teams. You're exploiting enough mismatches to where the other team in the game is not able to react to all of them in time. Hence, you're at an advantage because from an X's and O's standpoint, you figured out the other team a lot quicker than they figured out you. And if they can't counter in the game, it can become one-way traffic. So that's where I give Laranego a lot of credit. So that's the middle two wins against IU and UH. Then against Texas in the Elite Eight, they're down double digits with like, what, seven, eight minutes to go? Maybe not that much, but they just they came back again. Kind of like the Drake game, except more impressive because it was a better opponent in the Elite Eight. And that's why I go back to the poise of the, the players, Wong and Pack and the guys I mentioned, where nothing rattles them. So you look at a couple of close wins in which the players made big plays in the guts of the game and a couple of blowout wins in which I really feel like they were just more prepared than their opponents. And you get to here. Miami, here's a couple stats for you. 20-5 against the spread. Last 25 games as an underdog. That's the last two seasons combined. 9-2 against the spread as an underdog this year. They love this role. Jim, Jim Laranega at Final Four media day was saying, hey, go ahead. Don't pick us. We like this. They are so comfortable when nobody thinks they can win. So they're not going to be afraid of Connecticut at all. And I'll just tell you right now, I don't know that this is the de facto national championship the way a lot of people will say, but I'm picking Miami in this game and I do think Miami will win the national championship. And Going back to my point about the close games and how Miami has played in a few of them and they've cut their teeth in these close games and, you know, for a Shawshank reference, crawled through 500 feet of shit and came out clean on the other side because they've kind of weathered their storms of poor play and found ways to win. And that's what Connecticut hasn't had to do. So that's why I'm just going to play Miami on the money line at plus 195. About 2-1 to one at some shops as well, you can still get. But I feel in a close game, advantage Miami. What's going to happen with these UConn kids? 
as much as Dan Hurley wants to try and guard them from hearing how good they are, this is also where I bring up something that I feel like is probably very relevant with favorites in this tournament particularly sizable favorites, when you start to blink, and, you know, five and a half's not a huge line, but it's almost, you know, it's two possessions. And all these UConn kids I've been hearing all week is how good they are. So are they able to block that out and just play? I think that's easier said than done, again, for 18 to 23-year-olds, the large majority of whom are experiencing the biggest moments in their basketball careers. So in a tight game, I don't expect, like down the stretch, I think UConn might be formidable here because we haven't seen the Huskies really tested of late. So I'm not really sure the points matter in this one. Something tells me either Miami wins the game outright, which is how I feel it will unfold, or if Connecticut does win, it'll probably be another dominant UConn win, and maybe the Huskies are above the tournament this year. That's just not how I see it. But I would, if you like UConn, I would not hesitate to lay the points. You know, I would not be looking at trying to, you know, parlay it with whatever you like in the first game or with another sport or anything like that. I'm going to play both dogs on the money line and, you know, I feel pretty good about getting one of these. Of course, if I get Miami and lose FAU and it's Miami-San Diego State in the title game, well, then I still end up up a unit because I'm getting 2-1 to one on the Miami money line. And, of course, if it ends up being FAU in Connecticut, well, I'll still end up with a little bit of chunk of change on the leftovers after the plus 125 payout gets home with the Florida Atlantic Owls, even though I'll lose lose a unit on Miami. So I would just money line both dogs, and I like my chances to hit at least one of them and come out with more money than I entered the day with. That's going to wrap things up for us on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Make sure to follow the podcast. Our buddy Alex does a good job managing that account at full underscore slate underscore pod. Shoot him a follow as well at Alex underscore up seven. My name is Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter at G underscore Frank six at my personal account. Enjoy the final four. The road does end here. Let's have three more good games to wrap up what I believe is the best postseason tournament in all of sports. As I said, this has been another episode of Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Enjoy the Final Four, and of course, please play responsibly.